and boom goes the dynamite. And boom goes the dynamite. And boom goes the dynamite. I don't want to talk about things we've gone through, though it's hurting me. Now it's history. I played all my cards, and that's what you've done too. Nothing more to say, no more race to play. The winner takes it all, the loser standing small. Beside the Good evening, and welcome to a special edition of Boom Goes the Dynamite, the AEW Dynamite Review Show here on the PWOM Podcast Network. I'm Jeffrey. With me tonight is Paul Sebastian. Paul, how are you doing, man? Oh, Jeff, I am so great. We are back for another Double or Nothing. When you go all in, you go Double or Nothing. And when you go Double or Nothing, sometimes you have to go quadruple or negative one. (laughs) And then sometimes when you go quadruple or negative one, you got to go octuple or negative two. Or some, is that where we are? I, I, I think so, yeah. I think that, that, that's I how am, that works. This is the math podcast now. <laughs> Very scientific. This is the math. Uh, and, and for our uh, listeners across the pond, I'm sorry, this is the maths podcast. <laughs> Do we have any listeners from across the pond? If you're, if you're across the pond, hit us up at. Uh, if, you're, if you're across a pond, hit us up. Uh, if you <laughs> just have a pond nearby. Yeah, just hit us up at BGTD Podcast on Twitter. Uh, podcast. We are here again for the, the second time this Memorial Day weekend. Uh, this time to discuss Back for the second time. Uh, the- Double or Nothing 2021, which happened last night, uh, May the 30th, uh, 2021, in front of a sold-out maskless crowd at, at Daly's Place in Jacksonville, Florida. And, oh, God, you know, I, I know we already beat this dead horse and we're going to be beating it some more later, uh, let me tell I, I you. I think that's pretty unfair to, like, the four people that wore masks, Jeff. I, I'm sorry. If you're one of the four <laughs> people that wore masks at Double or this Nothing. This is a logical fallacy. If you're one of the four people that wore masks at Double or Nothing, uh, please hit us up at BGTD Podcast. And yeah. Let us know you you, you wore masks. Um, tell, tell us how cool you are. Yeah, you know what? I mean, it, you know, if... if if you want to keep wearing it, I don't blame you in that crowd for sure. But, you know, everyone seemed to be having a nice time. But I'll tell you what, it, it, I, I know that we were we knew it was going to happen. We 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 saw it on Friday. Friday was the sneak preview of this. But, you know, it doesn't raise my hackles any less, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's just, hey, man, get vaccinated. And, you know, with the uh, the, the announcements that came up uh, during this show. Uh, yeah, my hackles are really raised now, but we'll, we will get into that in greater detail. Yeah, I'd love to talk to you about this a little bit as, as time goes on. But uh, there, this was a uh, this was, boy, this was a long this was a uh, 
four and a half hour show if you count the the the, the pre-show match, the buy-in match. Yes, uh, which and... you know, hey, return to form, return to pay-per-view. Let's do it big. Let's give the crowd a full offering since we have that full crowd. And I gotta say, you know, to the uh, to the crowd's credit. There were no lulls. They were engaged from moment one right up until the end of the show. The crowd was really into it. They brought it. I'll, I'll tell you what, though. It, it only really started to hit me at the end. Uh, it, really? It really did, yeah, uh, toward, towards the end. But, you know, I, again, I've gotten so used to, you know, either, you know, either dynamite, you know, you know, six, five or six matches in two hours or, you know, pandemic era in New Japan where it's about the same, you know? <laughs> Right, and, you know, th- with the uh, recent trend of big shows being broken up into two nights by so- certain other large promotions, uh, yeah, these longer shows kind of aren't uh, as common, I guess, or weren't during the pandemic era. But, hey, we're back. We're live. And, you know, uh, it's easier to get fatigued, I think, watching it on TV than it is when you're when you have that actual energy, you know, feeding off the rest of the crowd when you're in the building. And it definitely was a testament to that. Right. But I mean, I can can see the the fatigue setting in it. It didn't. uh, And to this show's credit, you know, we're going to go over our thoughts on everything. We're going to get into everything individually. But to this show's credit, it did not drag. This was not a show that necessarily felt long. But yeah, I think towards the end, you were looking at the clock and like, oh, shit, this one's going for this one's going for going four plus. Yeah. And uh yeah, again, I mean, I, I, I mean, thankfully, like, like you said, it kind of kept me in it. You know, I, I, I'm gonna have some, some, some critiques of this show. Oh, of course, but, I think um, naturally. But yeah, any, anyway, uh, double or nothing pay per view, the third running of this show, the second one at Daly's place. Uh, last year's, of course, had no crowd. Uh, this one had a lot of crowd, and uh, well, we some were... would even say a full crowd. Yes. Um, a full house at, when you, when you go double or nothing and you get a full house, folks, that's a good bet. Yep. It, it is. I think that is like one of the higher, uh, higher card, uh, combinations. A full house is a very good hand. Yes. yes. Uh, I, but you know, if you get a, a Royal flush though, you're, 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 you're set. So, I mean, that, that yes. that's the, the, anyway, we're not here to talk about cards. We're here to talk about the pay-per-view. Uh, let's start off with the buy-in match, the pre-show uh, Serena Deeb defending the NWA Women's World Championship against the returning Riho. Riho got a massive pop when so, she uh, showed up. Please tell me about this match because I was uh, in my car on the way home during it and did not see it. Uh, okay, I will uh, I will tell you all about it. Uh, Serena Deeb really played uh, the Rudo in this match. She was healing it the fuck up against Riho. And, you know, I, I, maybe that was an audible. I don't know, but you know, it's just on purpose because you got, you know, you want to have, you don't want to have a, like, uh, uh, something where you don't have like a clear character distinction, especially in like an opening match. Like this is one of those type of matches, especially an NWA championship match. Uh, you know, NWA title matches do have a pretty specific style to them. That uh, wrestlers do, you know, uh, um, adhere to or at least pay tribute to. Uh, it seems like so. Yeah, it would make sense that uh, Serena would be the would work heel for this match. Yeah, and 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 it worked out well. Riho uh, kept getting her knee attacked the whole match, and she she really was selling it the whole time. We uh, just love joint manipulation, don't we, folks? Joint manipulation and focusing and wrestling, some of the best stuff. I wish more wrestlers would do it and a lot of the best do i think pete dunn stands out over in nxt for me 
uh, on guys who are Pete great. Dun- at Pete Dunn's good. Yeah, Pete Dunn is good with that. Yeah, he's very good. For sure. Um, of course, the lad Zack Saber Jr. Right, of course. Um, the winner of this match was, of course, Serena Deeb uh, with a Serenity Lock, uh, forcing a tap out from Riho. Um, Here's a question: Did you at any point in the match feel like Riho really could win? You know, I don't think so because without her being under NWA contract, I don't think that the NWA would have put the belt on her. So right. yeah, and, and this you know, this is kind of a never re- took you out of that mind space. Like the match didn't convince you enough at any point that like no, it could it, be the. It really did, which which is going to be one of my biggest criticisms of the of this show. Okay, um, is that in, in a lot of cases there was no drama and very few genuine surprises. But uh, anyway, um, Serenity does retain Serenity Lock uh, tapped out. The match itself really good. Uh, I would right. say that it, it is well worth uh, going onto YouTube and uh, and watching it. So uh, after that, we get. Um, we get Taz joining on commentary and prep for the first match of the evening. And then, of course, Jim Ross comes out as well to the Oklahoma, you know, Boomer Sooner, Sooner fight song. Jim Ross had issues tonight. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of talk about Jay. I'll be real with you. I'm pretty good at tuning out commentary when I don't care very much about it or I don't think it's that good in the first place. And like. I didn't notice much of the commentary issues on this because I just wasn't paying a lot of attention. I was just watching wrestling. Uh, yeah, it seemed like there were some gaffes and some stuff where he just seemed kind of like, uh, I guess, lazy or aloof maybe. He was just, but, there was one bit where he was just out of it. Like it, it, and it wasn't even during a match. It was, you know, during a bit where, you know, uh, you know, Jr. Tony and Excalibur were, were, were the, were on camera. I mean, I do sympathize with him because I did catch him doing the thing that I do on this podcast sometimes, which is just fill time by saying nonsense until I catch up with my own thoughts. Uh, so <laughs> I, I do I do get it. Um, but I don't think I don't at least I don't think Jr. smokes as much weed as I do. If he does, Jr. hit us up. Fucking I will come to Oklahoma or Jacksonville, whatever. We'll uh, smoke on that loud, bro. Um, anyway, so uh, we'll the- smoke an absolute sl- slobber knocker of a blunt. Uh, it'll probably be, uh, you know, a, a bowling shoe ugly in the, in the end there. <laughs> uh, but the, I'm going to get him higher than Georgia Pines. <laughs> but the, uh, the, the, the show itself, uh, starts off with uh, our first match of the evening, Adam Page versus Brian Cage. I knew this was going to be the opening match. Yeah, we let let, let, let the record show. I knew that this was let gonna be the, the record opening. show that Jeff's match order determination was pretty darn close. It was pretty darn close. Uh, I think that I think the only one I really got wrong was I didn't expect the Bucks and uh, versus Mox and Eddie to be the second match. But anyway, yeah, um, that's true. I think we probably swapped that with the uh, Sting Darby Allen stuff, right? We didn't probably didn't think that would be the the kind of cool off cool down match yeah. or the one before the the last two. But I think that was I think the booking choices of you know the match order was pretty good. Uh, anyway, back to uh, Adam Page versus Brian Cage. Really good, really good match. Yes, this is I was getting home as this match was starting to get going, and I got into it right about as Brian Cage was um, uh, doing curls with mm-hmm. Adam Page's body. Right, uh, which I do love that move. Brian Cage is so huge. He's, Jeff, he's so huge. He, he's a big boy. He gets huger. Like every time you see him, he like grows a new muscle. <laughs> There's just so much of him. Uh yeah, so 
there was a lot of good stuff in this match. Yeah, uh, and, and you know what? Brian Cage can fucking wrestle too, and I think that gets lost sometimes. But he really got a chance. Opening match on the card. A lot of people, you're, you know, the crowd's dialed in. The fans at home are dialed in. They're watching you closely, and he really delivered. Um. And there was even an interference spot that didn't work, which is uh, starting to become a bit of a theme here now. Uh, on, and, uh, I talked to this the other night, but like, I kind of like that because it's so common now that like, yeah, people should be picking up on it by now. Yeah, which gets me to another thing I'm going to be getting to here in a few minutes. Uh, the, the finish came. I love the way you're teasing out all your thoughts on the podcast today. You're just keeping people hooked. I, I, you know, like, I, I, I need, I need oh, to. It's almost coming. It's no, on the way. I, I would, this is my third podcast in as many days. So, you know, I'm. It's like J.J. <laughs> Abrams, except we actually deliver. Yeah, right. Exactly. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, we had a bit where both Cage and Paige try to do each other's, uh, finishers. Um, really like that. I thought Brian Cage sold like the prospect of doing the buckshot lariat really well. Yeah, but uh, it, it didn't work. Cage gets a win. Buckshot lariat. Uh, there is a great buckshot lariat too. Yeah, more tension within Team Taz. This was a good match. I'm glad that Adam Page is getting the pops that he he deserves, and now maybe we're going to be finally on the road to you know him versus Omega finally. I think it's gonna happen at some point. You know, obviously Adam Page is gonna have this belt. Like, there's no way, there's no keeping it from him. But you know, AEW thinking long term, we have another uh, number one contender for the title, which we'll get into in a little while. So uh, yeah, I'm excited to see where that goes from here, and also you know his uh, his convergence with Dark Order and where we go there. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Uh, after that, we get a uh, well, we had the the, the bit where Jr. just kind of. Lost his damn mind for a second, and then uh, we get a recap vignette between the Young Bucks and uh, you know John Moxley and Eddie Kingston, leading into our second match of the evening for the AEW World Tag Team Championships. Uh, your champions, Executive Vice Presidents Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks versus John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. Uh, so before we get into this match, Jeff, did you see Matt Jackson with the fake septum ring? That was Nick Jackson. That was Nick with it. Are that you was, sure? Yeah, it was Nick. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, because it was a because be, yes, because yeah, I saw that and I saw yeah, Nick also like dyed his hair auburn and he's grown a beard out now, looking like a complete fucking douche. I mean, they well, have gone. Oh, that holes. was Nick. It was just because he was wearing his jaunty driving cap in that photo, and I didn't see the hair as right, much, so I just yeah. saw the beard, and I assumed Matt. Yeah, no, Nick Jackson was very clearly uh, doing a, a Randy Savage thing, which was, very, to me, I thought was very funny. I thought yeah, it was a good bit. They, he just he just looked like a complete D-bag. I mean, yeah, and, you know, don't Which think you know. that he doesn't know this. You know what I mean? Like, this is all very done on purpose. Uh, he even did the the Macho Man, uh, you know, twirl thing, the arm twirl. Mm-hmm. And, you know, put the hand in there, that that, that guy, little yeah. spinnery do uh, uh, thing. <laughs> I, they're great heels, man. They really are. They're just so fun to hate. They, I just they, love, they, to, I love disliking them. They, they, they never, never should have been baby faces. But hey, we don't need to keep relitigating it because we're already past it and they are where they need to be yeah. now. So, and it's much more entertaining and interesting for us, the fans. And I think they're having more fun, too. I mean, they look like it, clearly. Um, so can we just talk about the, the entrance of Mox and Eddie? Because, yeah, the, that, that, that entrance was, was amazing. Yeah. 
It was yeah. Dudes were in fact rocking yes. throughout this match. They were in fact. Uh, it, it turns out. Um, what did you think of the match itself? I enjoy watching Mox and Kingston wrestle together. I love their chemistry. I love their energy. I love their cohesiveness. They just are interesting to watch. The match itself felt kind of like a TV match to me. It didn't really feel like in like this incredible, like mind blowing match or whatever, but it was fun. It was serviceable and uh, it was the expected outcome. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. And again, you know, one of the things that we're going to get into about this show, but um, yeah, I I thought that maybe this match went a little long. Probably, but you know, a young bucks match. Actually. Okay. So, okay. So I'm looking at it now. It, It didn't, Okay, so I'm looking at the, at the official time right now. It didn't go as long as it felt. Okay, what was the official time? On the it? official time on 21 minutes nine seconds. Okay, so I, I, I thought a 20 minute match. So. I, I thought it felt longer than that, to be honest. Okay, I it did. Fe- I feel like we could have done it in 15. Right. Um. You know, Fox getting the hard way juice too. Yes. That was ooh boy. I mean he. And uh, it's John Moxley, man, like this is what he does. Yeah, now. this is what he does now. <laughs> and uh, we also get a, a a good brother's interference spot that doesn't work because Eddie Kingston saw Gallows coming. And <laughs> so, Eddie just took Gallows' shit all the way out. That was great. I mean, again, this is twice in a row now. We've had the interference where it's just like, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, hey, <laughs> you know what? This is going to call this. So this is like the, the, the evolution of the interference spot, right? So now guys have to get better at interfering. Yeah. Got to I mean, step up the game. The old shit doesn't work anymore. It's time to elevate and to raise the uh, the difficulty and skill of these things. Uh, and, of course, like, we get we get Frankie Kazarian showing up as the uh, the, the elite hunter. The now, elite hunter. Now, I, now I, I, I'm sorry. I have to we have to give a warning to Mr. Kazarian, though, because we have seen where that shit does not work. And, and I, don't, lead I mean, to... it works for Randy Orton. Was legend killing, which okay, is similar. But... I think legend killing and elite hunting are like cousins as a profession. Uh, but uh, don't forget, remember Yoshitatsu in New Japan doing the Bullet Club Hunter, you know, the Hunter Club shtick, and that got him pretty much laughed out of New Japan, and now he's in he's been in all Japan for ever since. Right, but everyone hates the elite, so he'll be a lot more well liked for this. Right. But, uh, I mean, God, I just remember the table that Yoshitatsu set up. He had his own little table set up at, uh, at the Long Beach New Japan shows in 2017. Even though the, the merch line was so long, absolutely nobody was looking at, this, oh. at his table. And there was, I, and there was even a, a, a uh, Titan, uh, you know, the luchador, Titan. He had his own T-shirts there. Nobody was looking at those either, which I felt bad for Teton on that one. But so, so Kazarian's already in better shape there. Last time I saw Kazarian at a merch table was uh, at uh, Starcast uh, after All In weekend. I bought some American Rebel cigars for a friend's wedding, and he was kind enough to sign the box. Oh, so uh, so nice guy, Frankie Kazarian. So now, okay, so Mox gets pinned. Uh, he takes the loss. This is two pay-per-views in a row where mox takes the the loss mox his the thing about mox is he doesn't really need wins like to affect fan perception of him at all um so he can take these pins and be just fine and everyone will still assume the same legitimacy of him and all it'll do is make him matter and matter mox is good for us yeah it is but at the same time you know i'll, I'll kind of table this part until we get to the you know to uh to the omega match 
But there, there's something here that we need to start discussing. Uh, Which is? As far as, that, well. Oh, you're like, going to table it. We're, we're going to table this. Wow, teasing uh, it out. Yeah. Uh, so Damn. anyway, uh, the Bucks uh, retain the uh, the Bucks retain the uh, the AEW World Tag Team Championship as expected. As expected. So I think I uh, said Mox and Kingston should have won. And look, the crowd pop and like what uh, uh, that would have meant like last night would have been fantastic and would have been a really great moment. The problem with it is where do you go from there? There's really nowhere else to go with Mox and Kingston once they win a title. That's kind of it. It's just kind of them having – it's all epilogue at that point. Okay, again, let, let's table this for now. Okay. Because I, I'll bring this up again. Um, our third match of the evening, the Casino Battle Royale. Um, I'm not going to get into all the details of this. Uh, we do know that a couple of uh, substitutions got made. Which uh, were? Uh, well, uh, Serpentico and Aaron Solo had to step in for – uh, I don't remember who Suprentico stepped in for, but uh, Aaron Solo stepped in for QT Marshall because apparently he had a wrist injury. Ah, that makes sense. Yeah, because we were saying QT. I don't. Yeah, I didn't remember Aaron Solo being one of the announced participants. That right, wasn't audible. I, right. I don't remember who. I don't remember who who uh, Serpentico stepped in for. Um, couple of genuine surprises in the match. Uh, what surprised you? Okay. Well, first of all, my God, that that Joker kit that Penta uh, was Penta wearing. Joker. Penta there it is. I was waiting for it. Hell yeah. Joker El Cerro Miedo. That was, that was amazing. Uh, yeah, I, that was the best a, wrestling gear I've seen in my entire life. That Just was so fucking good. You know, it, it, you know what? Okay, so here's I my... I squealed in my, in my living room. So here's my next question. Um, we, we have copious amounts of venom all, all over wrestling because, you know, you, you've seen Penta's mask. Penta has done uh, Bushi in New Japan. Uh, Volador Jr. has painted himself up both as Venom and Carnage. Okay. Before. And now... Has, has Penta done Carnage? He's done Venom, but has he done Carnage? Uh, he hasn't done Carnage. Okay. Um, And now we've had... And now there's a bunch of, you know, Joker-inspired wrestlers. We, and we've seen that. I mean, Sting even did a Joker-inspired. Oh, yeah. Joker, Joker Sting's a And then, uh, who was it? Uh, I forgot. I, don't, I can't remember her name in WWE, but she was Heidi Lovelace. Oh, uh, uh, Ruby Riot. Okay, so she did, like, a Joker thing. Um, yep. uh, Liv Morgan has done a Joker thing, right? Yeah, we've had uh, Harley, too. Harley, Harley yeah. And now Pen uh, yeah, Alexa Blista has done a Harley Quinn thing, yeah. Yeah, and Penta's done, now done Joker. There's a Russian guy in Russian independent wrestling just called the Joker. There's okay. just a Russian Joker. Okay. Who is the next comic book supervillain that, that wrestlers are going to start uh, imitating? Uh, you'd think it'd be one of the Zack Snyder guys, like a dark side or something like that. But I don't know how you do that in wrestling unless you have like a cool like suit of armor you wear as like your entrance gear. Right. So, you know, with the Snyder cut ha having so much juice at this point, that's something I could uh, I could probably see. Um, well, uh, uh, Robert Anthony's done Thanos already. Oh, has he? OK. Oh, yeah. Okay. He used to do a whole. Remember, you know, I've never seen him do that in Chicago. He'd come in with the Infinity Gauntlet on and the cape. Oh, yeah. Now that you mention it, I have seen that. Yeah, okay, yeah. Now, now you mentioned that. All right, we've done that. You know, I, I, I'm going to do maybe a, a little bit a little bit of a deep cut, although I don't know how deep it'll be because, you know, the movie. How deep is this cut? Uh, how about uh, Slade Wilson, Deathstroke the Terminator? Have ah, you, uh, yeah, yeah. 
So yeah, there that's we true. Go. Yeah, that's really interesting. Hey, look, we could just straight up get Joe Manganiello to do that. He's huge. He looks like a pro wrestler. His wife loves wrestling. So uh, <laughs> that's that, that's a big get. Let's just get Joe Manganiello. Uh, okay, so if you have a suggestion for a comic book supervillain uh, to uh, <laughs> to imitate, comic book supervillain wrestlers. Uh, there we go. Uh, the other two of the other genuine surprises. Uh, Leo Rush being the wild card. Yeah, that was I mean one that a lot of people did not uh, say. That wasn't one that was a, a popular choice for who it was going to be. But a great decision. No, very few people uh, in all of wrestling deserve that opportunity more than Leo Rush. He and is he, just a true, absolutely uh, next level talent. And, and he looked great. Great. Yeah, I mean he came up with just incredible pace. Uh, super smooth, really clicked with everybody that was in the ring. Everything was clean. Yeah, he didn't, uh, he he didn't a, get any eliminations, and he was eliminated yeah. kind of quickly, actually. he got a, It was a short run. We had to get to what we were getting to, but it was, a, I thought, a very strong introduction to Leo Rush to the AEW fans. Yeah, that, that, was, that was great. And then the most genuine surprise, because I, I think we both thought Christian Cage was going to do it, and he went coast to coast, but then he gets eliminated by Jungle Boy. Like, Again, oh my God! <laughs> slightly unexpected, but I think the the right, the absolute correct choice. I thought it was uh, uh, a great choice of winner. And the battle royale itself, let's not like glaze over it. It was a really, really good battle royale. And this is something AEW's been good at since before they were AEW, right? Like one of the first things we saw out of this brain trust was the uh, the buy-in battle royale for All In. Right. It was the first. It was the first wrestling we ever saw from them, right? Uh, at Sears Center, and it was really good. It was, I mean, it, it, that launched Marco Stunt's career. Yep, it uh, sure did. Uh, it was uh, Jordan Grace got a got some great moments in there too. The whole thing was fantastic. Um, and yeah, so they've kept up their tradition of good battle royales with this battle royale. This one didn't really drag. It didn't feel you know meandering or unorganized. Uh, everyone got their shit in pretty cleanly. Uh, there was a lot of really interesting like elimination spots. Uh, it was just really well executed. Um, I really enjoyed uh, Max Caster's. Uh, <laughs> Max Caster's opening line was his best, and not his best rap overall of his entrance raps, but the uh, the line about how Christian Cage was cool back when he had an edge was was very good. That, well, then he also said something about Matt Seidel too. So that was, that was oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That he was, says, yeah, uh, you're going to slip something about him slipping and falling. Yep. And then the, the, the Dustin look at me part was very good. Like just disrespecting Dustin. Oh yeah. And then, really uh, Max Caster is a five tool player. Max Caster is going to be at the top of this card. One yeah. Day. He, he is a great shithead. He, you're not going to be able to hold this guy. He's really good. Uh, I also really enjoyed, uh, Luther dragging Serpentico out by his mask. Yeah, I so thought that, that was fun. That, that made me laugh. Project Wrestle in the last couple months. I don't even know because yeah. So they're they're one of their things they do is Luther regularly just uses Serpentico as a projectile weapon in matches. He'll I just mean, take Serpentico and throw him at opponents. It's very good. Uh anyway, yeah, Jungle Boy getting a, a world title shot and a well earned victory, well deserved, well Absolutely. deserved, really good finish, and uh, gonna be cool to see him get another title shot. Uh, he had a he had one with Mox. Is that right? Okay, the match with Mox or with Kenny? With Mox. I don't know. He had a title match. It was last year, I want to say. Yeah, sometime no, in I, I think I remember <laughs> he had a 10-minute match with Jericho that was non-title, and yes. he, he had to survive 10 minutes in the ring. I don't was it Jericho? Wow. I, oh, that's, yeah. 
but it'll be cool to see him get that shot. Hang um, on, yeah, yeah. Now, now this is bothering me. So now, now I need uh, to see this. I'm guessing I mean, this will be a, a oh, shot that he'll okay, get like, he, sometime. He had a TNT title shot. TNT Darby. title. I remember that. Okay. Uh, world number one contenders. Up. Hang on, I'm looking. Okay, no, he got eliminated out of the Eliminator tournament by Wardlow. Right. Right. Uh, world tag team. He's had, okay, he had another uh, TNT title shot against Cody Rhodes. Okay, that right. he lost. But he, this is going to be his first AEW title match? He has never had, yeah, he's never had a, uh, he's never had a uh, world title shot. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, cool. Cool for Jungle Boy for the first time. Yeah, there we go. He'll have, him, him and Kenny will uh, will put on a really good TV match. I'm guessing that'll happen on an edition of Dynamite sometime between now and All Out. Probably within the next month or two. I'm going to guess. guess. I, I'm going to guess it's going to be one of the the touring shows. And on at this point, I think we need to talk about the touring shows because yeah. um, I, I can't remember. I don't. I didn't. I didn't know exactly where they announced this. So forgive me about this. But they announced that you know uh, all out will happen in quote unquote Chicago. Now, yeah, when I, it's actually, where else would it be? Well, could have been at the Wintrust. Ah, uh, they're not going to run anywhere. The Sears Center is their home for this show. They're not going to move it. Right. Well, and then, uh, yeah, well, it makes sense considering GCW have also now announced uh, two shows at the uh, the Grand Sports Arena, the skate park I used to go to. Well, uh, they're running two shows, but that's going to be a part of a weekend in collaboration with Freelance and Black Label Pro as right. well, uh, and, who will and also I, be running shows. Right, and I get all this. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I know I have three months to get used to the idea, but, um, a bunch of people hitting the, 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 the actual place I live in the city for this. The only thing I'll say to it about it to you is, uh, you should go. I think uh, you should go. Yeah, I don't know, buddy. <laughs> I think you should go. If I'll say this right now, I'm going to be, I have a prior engagement that weekend. I'll be at uh, standing up in uh, one of my very closest friends' weddings, so I will not be attending. But were that not occurring, I would be in Chicago for that. Uh, I think it's fun. Boy, oh boy. I think it's fun. Uh, yeah. Get vaccinated. Like I, Tell your friends to get vaccinated. I already got vaccinated. So I'm, you're good. I'm vaccinated. It's everybody else I'm worried about. Well, everybody else is going to have to figure it out, but you can't and, just. Uh, and, and I don't. I, I, I'm not down with possibly attending a super spreader event. I mean, I guess I feel you, but hopefully by then people are more people are vaccinated by then. Well, or again, that's it, all we can really hope for, right? Again, it, it's three months away. We got. I mean, I, again, I have. Th I got three months to get used to the idea. Yeah, you should go. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We will. We will see. Um. In between matches, we get a uh, a, a a promo for uh, service dogs, for, for yay, veterans. Dogs. Which, okay, yeah, yay dogs. dogs. Yeah, please don't. I, I was just thinking the whole time. Please do not set off pyro by with that dog. Please. They've set off pyro by Pharaoh multiple times, so it wouldn't yeah, surprise. And, and, yeah, and Pharaoh looked not happy about it. Pharaoh was not thrilled with the pyro. <laughs> Yeah, I was just thinking, please. Also, you got to worry about setting off pyro in front of veterans. Yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I would be more worried about the vets than the dogs. So, oh, Jesus. This all leads, this is prologue to our fourth match of the evening. Uh, Cody Rhodes versus Anthony Agogo. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Peaky Blinder Agogo. I love that Peaky Blinders-esque red right hand rip-off entrance music. 
Yeah, I mean there is. Very, yeah, yeah. Like I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure that's the second time I think Nick Cave's been ripped off on by AEW. <laughs> you know what? That's a perfect uh, picking a good guy to rip off. Uh, but I do. I could tell right from the first time they presented Anthony Agogo as a wrestling character, like what they were going for. There was obviously straight up inspiration from Peaky Blinders. Like just with the visual presentation, so well, it's yeah. really cool to see them leaning into it even further. Yeah, it would be cool if he just like peaky blinds somebody. <laughs> like who, Mox? Uh, yeah, that would actually be a really good candidate. But it's, I mean, w- we should talk about the match first, and then we'll talk our thoughts on Anthony Agogo overall. So Agogo uh, makes his entrance. We'd be remiss if we didn't discuss Cody's entrance at least a little bit. Cody looking like uh, Homelander from the Boys. Okay, so. <laughs> First of all, he didn't. Um, <laughs> no, he, he didn't, now, bud. <laughs> aesthetically, he did not. As far as vibes go, though, I get it. I can understand making the comparisons. There were Homelander vibes. Now, as far as aesthetically, uh, and someone in, in a group DM pointed this out to me first, uh, he looked a lot more like one of those like sci- uh, robotic uh, patriot enemies in Bioshock Infinite. Which I never played, so uh, unfortunately the, the reference is lost on me. But um, okay, it, it's got really bad. It's got a really bad plot and storytelling, but the game mechanics of it are pretty fun. Okay, fair enough. Um, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it was something, and it was very essentially Cody. Uh, Cody was looking as Cody as Cody could be, and so was this match. This was this was definitely two and three quarter star Cody all all over. I would give a, it more than a, as three as as, as Lawrence O'Brien. As Lawrence O'Brien would say, I, uh, I I promised on Twitter that I would do this, so I you know as a man of my word, I'm going to follow through. Uh, I'm going to defend this match. Of course you uh, are, because we, we would expect no less of you to defend. Because this match. this match had a very very specific purpose that we all knew going in, and the purpose was to get show Cody Rhodes the crowd. <laughs> the purpose of the match was to show the crowd Anthony Agogo. Who is Anthony Agogo? What is Anthony Agogo's ability? What is it now? What can it be down the road? And this match successfully accomplished that. Agogo got a chance to show off everything he has in his moveset to date, while also giving us a peek at what he's going to be down the line once he's better at this. He's an incredible athlete. Um, he didn't blow up. He didn't get tired. He executed all everything. Um, and Cody Rhodes is the right partner for this because Cody Rhodes doesn't make a lot of mistakes in the ring. Cody's not known as a guy who's going to like botch something for you. He's not going to screw it up and he's not going to give you low effort. There's a lot of things you can say about Cody Rhodes, but no one's ever going to call him lazy or low effort. He's one of the try hardiest motherfuckers on the planet. And this was the right introduction for Anthony Agogo. Now, the thing I do disagree with in this match, which a lot of people do as well, is the finish. Didn't like that part. Yeah, honestly, this match just did not work for me, and apparently I'm not alone because... Yeah, it didn't work for a lot of people, and, and uh, I that... get that. I don't. I wouldn't call it like this great or incredible wrestling match. Well, th- this has the lowest rating on Cage Match right now, just, just, okay. just for what it's worth. That, that's, um, people take ratings for whatever you're worth. I personally don't believe in rating matches. I just go. I think wrestling is about feeling and emotion. Well, I I, I agree. And, really, and I I feel that this match didn't work. And this is not the first time a pay per view match with Cody Rhodes has just simply not worked. And, right. and I think a lot of that though is uh, Cody bias. There is definitely part of that. People go into Cody Rhodes matches expecting not to enjoy them, so then won't enjoy them. 
That happens a lot. People just don't like Cody. And that's, again, why this whole thing was effective and why we now all collectively, whether you hate Cody, whether you're a fan, whether you're kind of indifferent, everyone in the AEW fandom cares more about Anthony Agogo now. I'll tell you what, that frog splash was fantastic. The frog splash was fantastic. I mean, he yeah, really I can't, I can't say anything is, bad about the frog, the frog splash. Well, the reason that you know that Anthony was the uh, the opponent for Cody in this match, and the reason why I think he should have won ultimately is that AEW knows what they have with this guy. They know he's going to be a big deal. I would consider them their his. I'm sorry. I would consider him their second highest prospect behind Jade Cargill. Yeah. He- he definitely should have won because that would have made more storyline sense. But now, you know, again, I just think it's more interesting. Right. And I think a lot of people would, would agree. Like it's just less interesting. Cody winning this match. I, I get why, because then now you show, well, a go-go isn't quite there yet, but I think him pulling off a shocking upset here would have made a lot of sense for a lot of people and given Cody a little more character depth with which to work for the next couple of months. Uh, I, I will point out once and not for the first time on this podcast that uh, the company formed by guys who wanted to put themselves over have put themselves over. So, I still think that is kind of a, I guess, reductive view of it. I still don't think, <laughs> it, we, okay. I still don't look at this necessarily as like our only goal is putting ourselves over. Oh, that, but I, I didn't say it was their only goal. I don't. But, th- I don't know. But it's, it's way up their there. Primary goal, or maybe even any goal at all. Someone has to win a match, and someone has to lose it. I don't think the motivations for why you know these guys are winning these particular matches now are the case. Because like we've seen all of these guys, Cody especially, be willing to take an ass whoop and you know for somebody else and for the uh, sake of the storyline. You know, don't forget the Cody Brody Lee stuff. Well, that or or MJF for God's sake. Absolutely. Um, I mean, um, yeah. Okay. Or Jericho for that matter. But I mean, but in the Jericho case, of course, that was you know Cody, you know, losing to the one guy that you know he <laughs> is more you know is higher than him in the pecking order. You know, yeah. as far as wrestling goes. So. But it's, you know, Cody has, you know, uh, one of the first things Cody did was kind of remove himself from AEW title contention and kind of keep himself out of that conversation because I think he knew exactly what the conversation would be were he to be right. at the top right away. Right. So I think but he then very he won- calculated immediately made that decision. Right, and then they created a title for Cody to win. They created a title for Cody to win and then lose to other guys that they were really high on. Well, Cody had to win it first, so. Well, yeah, but it he's just he was the guy that made sense to be the first guy to win it. Like, storyline-wise, he was the – because – He's the first guy I'd want to see lose the title, and I think he's the first guy a lot of people would want to see lose the title. You got to think about that too. Yeah. And that <laughs> was the truth, wasn't it? People, what? Wa- people wanted to see Brody win that belt. Yeah, they did. They did, and, and that is that and that's, is that, that's part true. of decision making you have to have. And that's the same thing with like what, and you know, to circle back to Mox and Kingston. What do you do there? Because you, who do you want to see beat Mox and Kingston for the belts? What heels do you have or like what what story can you even tell to have these guys lose at that point? What's interesting? Oh, I, I can think of a, a, a heel team that I would like to see uh, beat Mox and Kingston. Okay, name them. Uh, the Lucha Bros. Are they even heels, though? You know, they, they go so they go back and forth on that so yeah. much. It's, so it's we talk not about even... how AEW doesn't have all like a full roster of traditional baby faces and heels, and I think Death Triangle fits firmly into the category of guys that aren't either. 
I mean, I, I mean, I'm gonna support them either way, but yeah, exactly. Know. But I think there's a there's a, and you're not the only one, and that's you know Cody Rhodes fits into that. I think the pinnacle is sort of in there, um, despite MJF just being so great at being a bastard. Right. Sorry, my dogs are uh, freaking out about something. I think somebody's this is a podcast I, I, I think... in the background. Yeah, Get right, used to it, right. folks. Anyway, moving on. Our fifth match of the evening for the TNT Championship, Miro versus Lance Archer. Hoss uh, fight. Hoss fight. Big boys. Big, the uh, big meaty shout out Days of Thunder. Large men are appearing. <laughs> big meaty men are, were slapping meat. Big meaty men slapping meat. Ah, this went by quick. I mean, it, it, was, it was only a 10, it was a just above 10 minute match. It didn't even feel like 10, it felt like 7. Yeah, it did. I mean, it, this went by, and I, yeah. I really like it. Um, and uh, with uh, Miro getting a knockout finish at that. Yes, a, or a technical submission, I guess you'd call it. He put him out with the, uh, what is he calling again? Game over? Game it's not the accolade. They didn't call it the accolade, did it? No, I don't know. No, think no, so. it was game over. Game over. The, the, and, the, the uh, yeah, stretched clutch. him out. Yeah, if we're talking about the camel clutch, yeah, it's uh, game over. Yeah, stretched him out hard. Really fun little match. Those These big guy matches are never very long. So, you know, I guess that's what to expect, right? Oh, yeah. Um. So, yeah, it was what it was. But I thought it was a, it was a fine showcase for uh, two large, large boys. It, it was. Uh, Miro does retain. So, uh, yeah. Which, you know, as again, something that we can talk about. As expected. Yes, indeed. And also, as expected, our, our sixth match of the evening, Hikaru Shida defending the AEW World Women's title against Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. Um, here's where I'm going to go on at length on one of my points. On okay. This. I mean, the match was great. I mean, I, I could not have asked for a better match uh, out of these two. Um it, it, even with the wardrobe malfunction that Sheeta had, um, I mean, hey, you know that's uh, I think a classic wrestling thing when you like are wrestling so hard, some of your gear starts breaking. Right, but here's the thing: is that as and sometimes I think this needs to go to the point as far as how good a match is, in addition to the technical skill, which is sometimes lost on a lot of people. Which is, we all knew Britt was winning this title. Everybody yeah. knew Britt was winning this title. Therefore, yeah. there was no drama to this match. So I still disagree with there being no drama to this match because I think that all comes down to your own willingness to just suspend your disbelief for the duration and enjoy the way you're going to get there. It's like watching a play or a movie where you already know what the ending is. You still like I watched Uncut Gems for the second time and obviously it's not going to hit the same way it does the first time when you, you know, don't know exactly what's going to happen, but you still enjoy the ride, right? And I thought this match really did that especially towards the end. And a lot of matches like of this caliber and quality like really top-notch matches take a while to really get established. They don't let the whole bag loose right away. And this one yeah, probably it, took about seven, eight, nine minutes to really get going. But yeah, once this, it did, this it one, was off to the races. Yeah, this one did take a while for it to, to, to kick into but gear. But that's fine. And as I was watching in those first few minutes, I was thinking to myself, like, okay, now here's, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if it can hit that second gear to turn it from a good match to a great match. And I think they did. And I think the finish was great. Uh, the false finishes were really good. The last, you know, three, four, five minutes were just red hot fire. Yeah, but again, we, again, it was a foregone conclusion. We, we, yeah, which is why a lot we, of these matches were foregone conclusions. Well, yeah, and that's a problem. 
I think, I I think that's a, that's well, a problem when a lot of these matches are foregone conclusions. It's one thing, yes, we all know that wrestling is predetermined. We all know that wrestling is quote-unquote fake. But you have to let the viewers... Uh, what am I trying... I, I, just, I just lost my train. The, the viewers have to be able have to be in, invested in this as knowing, oh my God, I actually don't know who's going to win this. Right. But I think, you know, I think investment is the key term there, right? Like we may not have been invested in, you know, the surprise outcome or the who is going to win, but we were invested in Britt Baker becoming the champion and how we were going to get there. Right. So and that's really what I think that is what makes, it just depends on what you decide to like, let it, you know, compel you. Right. I mean, yeah, okay, so Hikaru Shida held the belt for, you know, for for, you know, one year in the in the in a pandemic year, you know, eight eight defenses, very respectable title reign. No complaints about her dropping the belt. But we all knew it was happening right here, right now, and therefore I think that took a little bit out of the match. Like I I mean there's really no I know we're not right. I mean I I know we're not going to get, you know, Kazuchika Okada runs are not gonna happen. Very, you yeah. know, very often, <laughs> especially not in, in American wrestling. You yeah, know? no. So it, you know, it just again, I, I, I they, they telegraphed it way too, way too hard. For, okay, for I think the telegraphing you know, was. I mean, again, there's really no way around it. I mean, it, it, there was again, just. I don't know what your remedy is because, like, how do you not telegraph it? Well, how it, do you it, make well if this I had a remedy, I'd specific for... story a surprise because. Like everyone knew Britt Baker was, you know, undeniable at this point, because just from being so good, just through like virtue of her success as a character. I mean, if I had a remedy for, it, I'd be booking a, I'd be, I'd be running a wrestling promotion. True. If I had a remedy for, it. I don't. But I, yeah, I, I mean, this is just like a classic. As like, somebody uh, who writes stories, I, I know that you know if, if you telegraph it too hard, the reader or viewer or whatever is not going to be as invested in it. Because yeah. it was like, oh shit, I saw this. You know, like I, you that's know, that's true of this show as a whole, but not necessarily of this match specifically. Does that make sense? See, I I think the opposite. I think this this match was endemic of the whole show. Okay. I, I personally, but I mean, I, I, I'm glad that you agree with me on that point, though. That there was really no drama for a lot of this this show. Right. I would. Okay. I I think no drama isn't the right term because I think this show was nothing if not dramatic. I think there was high drama moments throughout the whole thing. I think specifically as it relates to, you know, outcomes. Yeah, there weren't a lot of, and just these are, are the results of the stories that they've been telling. And they kind of put themselves in that position by being at that point with each of these storylines. And you know, that, you know, is a, a question of pacing and looking at things big picture. I think all, most of the time they're pretty good at this, but these are the situations you run into, you know, it could happen once a year. It could happen once every couple of years. If it's happening on multiple pay-per-views, then I think it's a real problem, but I don't think this is something that happens often on AEW pay-per-views. We talk a lot about AEW being good at subverting expectations and you know, they did a little bit with the pay-per-view or without the pay-per-view with the battle Royale rather. Yeah. Um, but yeah, with a lot of these individual matches, it was just tough to do. I think the biggest opportunity to, sh to shock people was with Anthony Agogo. And that was the big miss. Yeah, you know, I, I'll, I'll agree with that. I, I, I will agree with that. Uh, I, yeah, Anthony Gogo absolutely should have gone over, as we I, said. I, I, don't, I think that's going to, that's, you know, the pretty popular opinion on that to this point. Well, I mean, just because it's popular doesn't mean it's wrong. Right, no, I mean, a lot of people think it's the right it's the right thing to do. And I think, yeah, Cody should not have won that match. Despite me liking the match more than other people, I still think he shouldn't have won. 
Moving on, our seventh match. Oh, uh, Britt Baker, the fourth uh, generation champion for the AEW uh, Women's World Title. So uh, there we go. And so who? who and uh, let's see uh, how long she she holds it because like I can think of at least two contenders that need to be coming for her soon. Well, very shortly after uh, Britt Baker won this title, uh, a tweet popped up from one Ty Conti. She's one of them. Uh, and Ty Conti said, uh, good thing Britt Baker will be able to fix her own teeth when I'm finished with her. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> good. T- that was a good. Uh, ha ha ha. Good thing is when I break her teeth, she will be able to fix herself. See you soon, DMD. That's the tweet. You know, th- that's a good tweet. That, that is a very Ty good Ty Conti rules. She does. So I hope it's either her or Thunder Rosa at this point. I like Chris Tatlander, but she she's had shots and she needs to build herself back up after being. Yeah, out yeah. So no, it's, it'll be a little bit before we see uh, Stat at the top of the card again. Yeah, but she'll be there. And there, they have, there's a lot we can do with her uh, among the best friends group and stuff right now that she doesn't necessarily need to be in a top storyline or a, t- a title storyline. Our seventh match of the evening, uh, Darby Allen and Steve Stinger. Versus Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. Um, it was one thing to see Steve Stinger taking bumps on the ramp, which I did not see coming. Uh, quite another for him to be doing a fucking code red. Oh, man. First of all, uh, the opening uh, pre-entrance little vignette was Sting and Darby on the road in the old car. And they had that shot where they both looked at each other and you could just see their side, like the, the profiles with the face paint. Right. That should be on a poster, and they should be selling the piss out of that. Uh, I want that one specific shot. It's beautiful. Do people it's buy art. posters anymore? I would buy a poster of that. That yeah, black I, and white stinking Darby. Like I would hang that up. It's cool as fuck. I gotta find. I'm gonna find that exact shot. I'm gonna go back and try to screen cap it or something because it's just a perfect shot. Uh, match was pretty fun. It turned out match was. I'm gonna uh, take it one step further. I thought the match was really fun, and I thought it was mostly because of Sting. Yeah, Steve Stinger, 62-year-old Steve Stinger was a the, lot the of white. body off of the ramp? Yeah. My man was going hard. He looked great. Uh, he was in, you know, for a man of his shape and the miles that he's put on himself, uh, he serviced himself incredibly well. Scorp and Page were really great partners for him. They, uh, you know, were, were, were perfect foes. He and Darby have awesome ring chemistry. For two guys from completely different generations and styles of wrestling, it's really cool to see. Yeah, and nothing looked off. I mean, and no. I, I love that finish, too. That finish yeah. was into, into the Scorpion Death Drop was fucking it was great. A, it was super creative, and it was really well executed. Uh, you can tell some really good thought was put into it, and a lot of heart was into it. Uh, great, great stuff. Great to see a Scorpion Death Lock. I love the way they did that Scorpion Death Lock leg lock uh, spot that ended with... Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, was it Darby and Ethan slapping each other? Oh, and gouging, <laughs> and gouging each other's eyes. eyes. Oh, my God. So good. Ethan Page come a real long way, man. Yeah, he has. He has. Now, mind you, I don't know if I want to Steve Stinger back in the ring regularly. Look, man, if he continues to uh, 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 carry himself that way, I don't see any problem with it. He seems to be having a blast, and he's wrestling his ass off, doing great. So but, but whatever again, he feels comfortable with, uh, is, you know, he seems uh, to be having a good time. But, you know, what? one of his uh, all-time generational rivals is still the GHC uh, heavyweight champion in NOAA. So that would be... Well, that would the be, Forbidden Door is still open, be, folks. Uh, well, different 
different company. Uh, no, what I, I, what the, I'm getting at is Forbidden the, it, Door is an interdimensional. I consider the Forbidden Door as an inter interdimensional portal uh, with which you can come through uh, several entities. But what I'm getting at, what I'm really getting at, is the age of the champion because you know, 58 year old Keiji Mudo is still their champion. It's, at it's least for years younger than 62 year old Steve Singer. Yes, he is. <laughs> and you know what? This is not the only. This is not the only time we're going to reference Keiji Mudo on this show because our next match. Uh, is for the AEW World Championship three-way match, Kenny Omega versus Billy Big Fish Bollocks, uh, the Bastard Pack, and Orange Cassidy. Uh, I don't care about how many belts Kenny Omega holds. He still does not look as cool as Keiji Muto in that, f in that photo shoot. <laughs> No one will ever look as cool as Keiji Muto or Ultimo Dragon holding all the belts. Okay, like, uh, Ultimo Dragon. Never look that cool. Yeah, Ultimo Dragon holding all those belts was fucking great too. Yeah, I, but I, I he's think the guy that's on the Muto tier of holding all the belts. Right, but I mean the the the, the fact of Muto was actually wearing all the belts. <laughs> yeah, that's one. a lot of belts. That, that's that's a lot of belts lot for of one. Belts. But I will. It still it still is a really strong flex. Like, what do you say? It's just he's got four belts. He's got them. He won them. Yeah. They're his. You can't do shit about it. You can just the only thing you can do about it is be mad, which is just perfect. Yeah, what? Yeah, you can't do shit about it. Well, okay, so let's get into this for uh, then. Okay, match again, very good. Again, no drama because we knew Kenny Omega was retaining this. Yeah, not less less so on this one, and I think that's due to the execution of the wrestlers. There, uh, there weren't a ton of moments, but. There was more than one time that I thought, okay, maybe they actually could shock us here. Uh, specifically the Black Arrow spot to Orange Cassidy. During that two count, there was a moment in my brain where I was like, maybe Kenny doesn't make the save here. And then uh, what was, was it? Time, like, they did a really good job doing that and Kenny getting in. And they framed it really well with Kenny getting into the shot just at the very last second. There were a couple moments. Uh, I thought that the the... the Possibly the biggest shock moment would have been after uh, Pac had done the Black Arrow onto Omega. Was it a Black Arrow? Onto Omega. And then... Well, no, Kenny, he missed the Black Arrow to Kenny. No, 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 no. And then uh, Pac... Uh, and then Orange Cassie runs in and throws Pac out and then tries to pin Omega. Oh, yeah, that one. Yeah, yes, that, that one. was That's the one I'm talking about. That was a good one, too. Uh, also... A couple moments that, made, that really made me think that this could happen. Also, Jim Ross really lost it on this one. Newcastle is not in fucking Wales. But, you know, he's he's just a simple Oklahoman. How would he know? Yeah. Who's been around the get, world, like, how the many times? part of it was when Excalibur very politely corrected him, and Jim Ross got pissy about it. Yeah, he did. Yeah, was like, that was uh, funny. Uh, that was when he got, like, pure crotchety old man. Sorry, Jim Ross needs to be transitioned out of a full-time role. I would, honestly, I would... I think that really would be better for, for Jim's work too, because I do think when he's engaged, he can still call a good match. We've heard him. We've heard him like when he's on, we've heard him call some good matches during his AEW run. But I do think the exhaustion, this is, you know, you can't expect him to be in this chair doing this shit for five hours, man. Okay. So now, so remember that conversation I wanted to table? Yes. Okay. So we are now six months into this Kenny Omega, Don Callis, Good Brothers, Young Bucks, Super Elite thing where they're holding, you know, a bunch of titles. At what point does a tide start turning? Because I, I, I think we are all so still PTSD by the, the New World Order and how that ended and well, or, 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 or how it never ended. 
never properly ended. Yeah. And it's like, at what point does the tide start turning? I think the whole point is to hold this until that point. I think you keep doing this until you until the tide starts turning because you want people rabid for Kenny to lose that belt, like absolutely foaming at the mouths for it. And that's what they're going to do. They're going to hold it until we are just clamoring for him to lose that belt. And whoever wins it from him is going to blow the goddamn roof off the place. We hope it's Adam Page at this point. It will not be Moxley. It seems logical that it'll be Adam Page. You could probably talk me into it being Jungle Boy, but I doubt it. No, they're not going to pull the trigger on Jungle Boy. Not not, not against Kenny Omega. Did you hear that pop when Baltimore was playing? Yeah, I did, but they're not going to do it against Kenny Omega because Kenny Omega. Yeah, true. So, so, I mean, Adam Page and Pac are the two guys, right, Mm -hmm. that I think would, would make the most sense. Pac already has a win over Kenny. He does. So it, it's a thing that could make storyline sense too. Um, but yeah, I think we're, I think it's probably this year, but late. Right. Full gear. And by the way, full gear is, you know, full gear is like kind of an Adam page centric pay-per-view in the first place. It's named after a, you know, a, a bit he came up with. So, you know, I could totally see it happening in St. Louis at full gear. Now, by the way, uh, that, that win over Kenny Omega by pack w- w- was in September of 2019. Yes, it was. And since then, he's lost three times to Kenny Omega. Well, you know, Kenny's got to win. But he still yeah, has because, that win. Because. He's Kenny Omega. Because. Uh, uh, well, yeah, because can, a guy who formed a company to again, put himself is, over. This is, this, put is himself over. Comes in. this is where the fallacy comes in. Kenny Omega is not only widely considered, but booked as in storyline as the best professional wrestler in the world. That's the gimmick. The gimmick is that he's the best guy. So, yes, he's going to get the wins over the second best or third best or fourth best guy. It's pro wrestling. But it's not just the putting yourself over part. This really is the character. Like, it's become the part of it, right? All the six, seven, eight, nine star matches or whatever the fuck. All the the fanfare, all of the the Dave Meltzer shit, all of the polarizing talk but and all of the accolades all comes into what this character has culminated as, right? This is best wrestler in the world, Kenny Omega. And whether you agree he's the best or not, that's part of what makes the character him. Well, you know, I think a lot when people say that somebody is the best, people have to realize that there are other people in the match too that yeah have to to help facilitate this. Right, and Kenny doesn't ever not do that. Like Kenny Omega is a great match partner for almost. I've never seen Kenny like really blatantly overshadow anybody or take away from somebody's match. I've only seen Kenny make the people around him better in a wrestling match. Kenny is a, you can say what you want about Kenny or how annoying he is or like whatever with his character. He is a fantastic professional wrestler. I, He's incredible. Yeah, I never, I, yeah, I, I don't say that Kenny is a bad wrestler, but you know, it, it just, you know, I, I'm so, it, it, you know, it really goes back to, uh, Russell Kingdom. Hang on. I got to do the math. Uh, what year was, which one was that? <laughs> Russell Kingdom 11. Because when, when people were saying that, uh, you know, it, it was a six-star match, but Kenny carried Kazuchika Okada. Yet, yeah, no, dude. Disagree with that. Yeah, obviously. It takes it takes two to fucking tango. And, yeah, if you think that, like, it that wasn't – the reason that match wasn't as good is because both of those guys are as good as each other. And that's the reason that Kenny has such great matches with guys that are at that level because he is among – the absolute best on the planet. That's why Kenny and Penta was so good. These are two of the best in the world. Right. 
I, again, I will never say that Kenny Omega is a bad wrestler, even if, if there's, you know, bullshit that I'm tired of, but I've seen him not do the bullshit, and he's really good when he doesn't do the bullshit. Oh, yeah. You know, and, you know, again, you know, I, again, I'll say it again. My favorite of his matches with Okada was the G1 match because it was because it was set to a 30-minute limit, and he didn't get to do a lot of bullshit in it, you know? Right. But yeah, I mean, that depends on which Kenny you need on any given night. Sometimes Kenny filling the match up with bullshit is what you need because you need him to just make people mad. Right. And he's really good at that, too. He, he is. But again, you know, one of the biggest reasons why. But, uh, you know, on, on the other hand, what what was one of the biggest reasons why the Kenny versus Penta Omega? Uh, Pen, uh, let's try that again. Penta Omega. Penta oh, Omega. Oh, God. Uh, what, what was one of the reasons why the Kenny versus Penta at All In worked is because Penta showed absolutely no respect in Kenny and wouldn't let him do his bullshit, you know? But also, they were both just as overly dramatic and theatrical as each other, but in different ways. They were like the yin and the yang of doing a bunch of extra shit. You know, Penta is incredible at milking crowds for moments and taking extra beats to just really get all of that energy out of everything that he does. You know what I mean? He's a great at maximizing. And Kenny is similar, but Kenny is better at, at doing it in the opposite way and, like, knowing how to draw heat out of people and to draw ire and to get people really invested through uh, uh just pure annoyance really right and but it's that's why i think their chemistry was so great specifically in any event uh kenny omega pins... and this is again why kenny i think orange cassidy and also kenny and pack have uh, these guys have such contrasting styles but that all work because all three of them are very overly dramatic wrestlers but also pack and orange cassidy let's not forget them that oh, Pack, again, well, I'm saying all three. This is like a triumvirate, right? right? All three of these guys are incredibly overly dramatic, very theatrical wrestlers. Pack does it in a more physical way and like lets a lot of his work do the talking, but he does it with over-the-top high-flying and just like vicious, just super angry groundwork, right? He's just right. so bad. Um, so anyway, the finish comes. Uh, Kenny Omega hits Pack with a belt, four four different belts, all four belts, all four belts, and then you the know Grand Slam. Get him with the Grand Slam. And uh, yeah, so this leaves the door open for Orange Cassidy to do a solo challenge. It does. There's some interesting stuff you could do with this. I could see Orange wanting a a, a, a title match on Dynamite. I could see Pack saying, you know, he was hit with weapons and this isn't fair and he deserves the shot. I could see a title eliminator between Cassidy and Pack again, and I would love to see that match again, too. So, uh, you know, this is the finish we expected, but we got to it in a way that we can keep some stuff alive. That's cool. Uh, After that, they immediately announced the full gear pay-per-view will happen in St. Louis, as we just mentioned, on November the 6th. Um, JR can already smell that plate of barbecue in front of him. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what. And then, uh, and then we get an announcement of the new show on August the 13th called AEW Rampage with a new, Rampage. Annu- with a new announcer for it. Uh, the world's strongest man, Mark Henry. The house of pain is open for business in AEW, Jeff. I love it. That's that, that was kind of wild. This is a big get, uh, both literally and figuratively, for AEW. Not only is Mark Henry, you know, an uh, uh, accomplished broadcaster at this point, you know, he hosts Busted Open Radio. Uh, he uh, obviously a, a legendary promo guy, a legendary wrestler, one of the most respected guys in the business. Also, one of WWE's recruiters of athletes. This is one of the guys they send to talk to, you know, big time, like real athletes and people crossing over. This is something, you know, that a uh, skill he can bring to AEW now. And they've already signed people 
from sports that are really great prospects. So this only deepens the talent pool or potential talent pool for AEW as well. This is a huge signing. Our main event of the evening, which I think I called. Wait, before we go to that, we should say, also say that uh, coming along with uh, uh, the Rampage show will also be our recaps of uh, Rampage, date and time undetermined, but uh, keep your podcast feeds ready to go because we're going to have Rampage recaps for you in August. Uh, I don't know if I'll be part of that, but we'll, yeah, we'll, like we'll, I said, date and time still date and time T- TBD. TBD. Um, our our main event of the evening, the cinematic uh, stadium stampede match between the Inner Circle, Chris Jericho, Jake Hager, uh, Santana Ortiz, and Sammy Guevara versus the Pinnacle, MJF, Wardlow, Sean Spears, Cash Wheeler, Dax Harwood, with Tully Blanchard. Um. You know, it really is kind of hard to review this as a match. Um, it wasn't. Well, here's the thing. It was not a wrestling match. It was actually a game from the Yakuza video game series. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's funny you mentioned that because that was one of the, the things I had a criticism of, which was I didn't think that this had the humor of last of either last year's Stadium Stampede match or your average Yakuza thing. But, of course, the moment I said that, Something really funny happened. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this this uh, something that I think we, the fans, didn't expect was the levity that they would inject in. We thought that they were going to try to fully flip this from a comedy match to a serious match. They did not do that. They kept some of that levity there, which was the right call. It made the match much more entertaining. Um, you know, we can go through it beat by beat or, you know, thing by thing. It opens up, you know, in the stadium with MJF in a limo. Uh, the pinnacle shows up on fucking zip lines from the scoreboard, which yeah. ruled right from there, right from that rip. They had the, the pyro going, Judas playing inner circle on zip lines, clearly just having a lot of fun. I thought that was great. I thought the camera framing was really good, especially that shot when they walked it from the pyro and were walking forward towards the stadium, uh, had that kind of reservoir dogs energy. We thought that was really well done. Right. Um, and right off there, this this match had a really interesting energy, and I was really excited to see how it was going to progress from moment one. Well, they had the FTR mobile, which we haven't seen that in quite some time. We have not. Yeah, the rest of the boys showed up in the FTR pickup. Um, Urban Meyer, unexpected. Urban Meyer was there. Urban Meyer and Charlie Strong were apparently burning the midnight oil, uh, doing some late night coaching. Yeah, that, and, that uh, was unexpected. Um, that was. I mean, here's the thing. I knew that at some point this guy was going to show up on their programming. I just didn't know in what form or fashion. The only thing I need next is uh, sometime this fall for Mox to just run on the field and maybe, like, put Tim Tebow through a glass table. Just hit him with the, <laughs> hit him with the Death Rider through the glass table. Damn right. Um, boy, the, the, the food cost at Daly's Place must be going through the roof this month. Well, they save money by using really bad-looking fake pig props. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> did, you was, see, did you see the tw- did you see the tweet which tweet no Maybe. oh god <laughs> oh god you can't just say the tweet there was a lot of tweets somebody tweeted out uh this was larry steve's day aew oh debut. no oh my oh. god damn r.i.p larry steve if y'all don't know larry steve was the the now deceased uh pet pig of one who was it was it Alexa? Alexa it was Alexa yeah. Bliss, yeah. Alexa Bliss, and by proxy, former pop star Ryan Cabrera's pig. Oh goodness me! That yeah, whoever's whoever tweeted that is fully burning in hell for that one, and okay. and well deserved too. 
Uh, you know, did you see Ember but so, Moon? But so are we. But so are we because we we're laughing first of about all it. on a on a live podcast or something that uh, Alexa did like a couple of days later. It was like Alexa Bliss, or Ryan Cabrera, her fiance, and Ember Moon. And Ember was like, I mean, I straight up thought that pig. We were going to eat that pig. So, oh my god. <laughs> Which I thought was wow. very funny. And Alexa's face when she's because like this is her friend saying it's like so what can you do? But it was very funny. Um, now. We've been bitching about Jr. on commentary uh, a few times. I got bone to pick with uh, Tony Schiavone on this. Uh-oh. Uh oh. Maybe don't call someone well, who. Well, hold on. Let, well, maybe don't call someone who is Jewish a rat. I don't think he was thinking about that. I, you know what? It doesn't matter. Okay. Up. You know what? It doesn't matter if he wasn't thinking about it. It doesn't take away the very long history. Of calling right, but Jewish we know, persons vermin. Right, but we also know like that term is used very loosely for a lot of other things. And I don't necessarily think it's fair to like say this is what like and also to like Well, I, tell, I am not calling he has to make these considerations before he's saying something on a live mic. That one I don't think was very egregious. Uh okay, but I can you know understand what? the reading. I can understand the reading of it, obviously, and you can obviously make that reading, but I don't think it's fair to make the reading. Um, okay, well, we're going to disagree on that one okay. then because I, I just, I'm, I'm not calling, I'm not out here saying Tony Schiavone is an anti semi. I'm saying watch your ass, what, what you call people. Right, but it's yeah. like the same thing as like uh, uh, Ellie Valley making the bed bug joke about Brett Stevens when he did the bed bug thing, right? Like, I think there was nothing, there was a lot of, it's very easy to make bad faith readings of just people being insulted. And to take it to a place that I don't think it deserves. Well, Eli, so it's important well, he, that we make those distinctions and remain conscious of it, so that we're not being irresponsible. Well, that's he, all I'm saying. Eli, Eli Valley gets a lot of accusations lobbed at him by by awful people. So. Right, that's what I'm saying. It's like it's very easy to, but I'm saying it's very easy to make bad faith readings on things that just you know are generally insults. Okay, I, so it's I, important I, to keep those distinctions or at least be conscious of them. Okay, right. But at the same, again, at the same time, watch yourself. You know, right. that, and that's I, all I'm I, saying. That's all I'm can, saying. And I can understand where you're coming from there, and especially with a recent uh, uh, racism incident involving AEW commentators, yeah, well, you know, that's barely days old. Yes. It, it, it's, it, you know, I, I can also understand that distinction, too. So that that's fair. And, you know, if you're a commentator, uh, obviously choosing your words is important because it's literally your job. So that that is fair. Uh, we then go into a club area where uh... – you know, Santana Ortiz uh, versus uh, uh, FTR with Tully Blanchard, and holy shit, Conan El Babaro is your yeah. is your DJ. This is where it really turned into a Yakuza game for me. The right. light dance floor, <laughs> like the way that they and they, and this was very much done like a video game on purpose, all the way up until. Did you see the way Dax Harwood would like square up and put up his fists? Mm-hmm. They, like he even stanced themselves in very like I think that they were thinking Streets of Rage with this. Because there was also the elevator part. Do you remember when they went up in the elevator? Yes. Streets of Rage, right? Right. I think it so. It all felt very yeah. Streets of Rage to me. Oh, which we forgot. Very we, cool. You know what? We forgot to mention uh, Don Callis screaming shit, shit, shit on camera. Yeah, on we camera. did. That was fun. We forgot. Yeah, we were we kind forgot. of out of order there. But yeah, Callis realizing that Kenny was in trouble screaming out shit, shit, shit and running away was very good. Yeah, that, we, we we forgot about that. There was a lot of just cartoonish, goofy bullshit in the, la- in the, in the last moments of this show, the last hour of this show, which... <laughs> You know what? Great. Awesome. Sign me up. I love the goofy shit. Y'all uh, know that. Uh, including including the uh, a bit with a cutout, a cardboard cutout of Shad Khan. So good. 
so good. This was this was the moment where you where you messaged me about this not being funny enough. And right as you tell me that, MJF accidentally punches a full size cardboard cutout of Shad Khan. Cut to Chris Jericho, basically like fucking deadpanning right into the camera, like office gym, and being like, "You're gonna be in so much trouble." <laughs> I, I know, I know. Great, great, so ti- great timing on my part. Um, I will say this: uh, I was really glad that they actually did bring the conclusion of this out to the live crowd and. The conclusion of the match was really the right choice. Absolutely, I, totally I, I, I called the pinnacle the win. So I think you won the the the, the pick'em here. I think uh, you so did. We'll we'll go over that right. We'll finish, let's wrap up talking about this match. Yeah, Sammy Guevara was the X factor in this match. He was the guy who was featured uh, second most heavily behind MJF and Jericho, which is you know your main storyline in this thing anyway. But uh, you know, also got to give some big credit to Sean Spears for having the chair boss fight room. Yeah, uh, that was that was frame. that was good. Such a great thing to take the warehouse full of steel chairs and center him right in there with the spotlight. God, that looks so cool. Um, yeah, Sammy. Go. I, I think the fact that they really, um, I, I think that they they really. Um, I just sorry, I just lost my. Train While of you're thinking again. about that, what if what if they lean even further into the Sean Spears chair angle and just like they went to his house and he only has steel chairs as his furniture. He's got like framed pictures of different kinds of steel chairs just like up. <laughs> it's just a picture of a chair. Like you go and get into his car and the front seat is just like a steel chair. Um, what I was gonna say is um, uh, the fact that they focus. So he goes. Much to, on... He goes to get dentistry from Britt Baker, and she's like sitting in the dentist chair. He goes, "No, hold on, I got brought my own." And he just sits in a steel chair. There you go. Um, the, the fact that they uh, did focus so much on Sammy Guevara really did kind of telegraph the ending. Which, again, I I made the wrong pick on this match, but at the same time, they did kind of really telegraph it. But it was the right call. Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, it was done right. Sammy Guevara is a bright, bright star. He had some personal missteps in his past that he seems to have learned from thus far. You know, something we talked about last year, some some dumb shit he said, but that was, you know, uh, starting to look in the rearview mirror. And, you know, he's addressed it again recently, and he seems to have a good head on his shoulders about it. Kid can definitely wrestle, and he's definitely incredibly charismatic. There's a lot. There's there's a very high ceiling for him as a pro wrestler. Uh, I just saw a uh, rating for this whole show on Cage Match where he said that the the, the one of the criti- it, it, this person gave it a zero point zero and and says huh. the uh, the audiences weren't into it. Um, uh, that's not true. That is that there, is very wrong. There was, the show this, literally this, ended with the entire crowd screaming Judas at the top of their lungs. There, there was one match the audience was visibly not, was very audibly not into, and that was the Cody Rhodes versus Anthony and Gogo match. And that was mostly because the finish made it fall flat. During the match itself, the crowd was fine. For uh it. it was in it, it was, it was in spurt. It was in spurts. Right, but that was also very like dead center of the show when you kind of get the lowest crowd energy anyway. Yeah. So it, it kind of goes both ways, but I think the the crowd, I think that the finish deflated them to a point where the whole it kind of diminishes the energy of the whole match. So with that, uh, the inner circle survive for another for at least a while, I guess. They're going to be around for I would say we 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 talked about this early in the podcast days about how long does the inner circle go, and I kind of figured they'd be like an eighteen month thing, but they've hit the eighteen months now, so I guess yeah. we got some more time. Yeah, a little bit. I figured they'd be about a year, a year and a half's worth of a of a stable, but it sounds like we've got a little more, a little more uh, road to go, which is good. I think there's more story to tell with them as baby faces. The baby face thing's working. Them as as good guys is working. Jake Hager's still a piece of shit, but this is working. So and I will uh, say Wardlow had some very entertaining exchanges during the match. Oh, uh, so our pickums. I think you. Uh... 
I think I think you did win the pick'em. I went seven and three. Okay. What what three did you get wrong? Uh the uh Battle Royale, Anthony Agogo, and Scorpio and Page. Okay. All right. What what was mine? Because <laughs> I didn't I didn't keep track I don't of have your picks in front of me. I, so. I, I know I got I know I got Kingston and Moxley wrong, and I know I got uh, maybe we're tied because I, I got I know I you got picked Moxley. Kingston and Moxley, you picked Pinnacle. Uh, and I picked, you, I picked, uh, I picked, Christian, picked Cage. Christian Cage. Yeah. And so those are the three. Uh, but you did pick Cody. You did pick Sting and Darby, mm-hmm. right? Yes, I think so. Uh, uh, yeah, so I think we both went seven and three. Okay, if not, you know what, now I'm wondering if I did actually pick Sting and Darby. Because if I didn't, then you won it because I, I would be six and four. Something like that. Okay, either way. You know what? No, Nobody wins anything here. Folks, anyway, wrestling's so. fake. The results don't matter. <laughs> Paul, go ahead. Pro wrestling is just whose line is it anyway? Paul, go ahead and plug yourself. (laughs) You can find me on Twitter at Cool Step Uncle. And of course, this podcast on Twitter at BGTD Podcast. That's BGTD, like Boom Goes Dynamite. BGTD Podcast. Uh, Of course, keep this feed tuned in. We're going to be back on uh, Saturday for the Friday edition of Dynamite that's coming up this week. And uh, more updates on uh, our uh, upcoming Rampage project and how that's going to flesh out as uh, AEW Rampage's debut draws near in August. That's all I got. Uh, you can find me at Strong Style Story without the E in style on Twitter. My personal Twitter at GDWessel2S1L. Um, if you've been paying attention to the feed this weekend, uh, I've already dropped two other podcasts, including that episode of Busting Balls that I mentioned. So, uh, yeah. So if you want to hear my uh, my reviews of every of all 20 team of all 20 Premier League teams for their performances this season, uh, check that one out. So, uh, Paul, any last words before we finally go celebrate a holiday weekend? Um, yes. Uh, uh, happy Memorial Day to um, all the troops. And by troops, I mean Antifa specifically. Yes, indeed. Sounds good. Paul, (laughs) we'll see you Saturday. Bye.